0: How do you know if something works? Well, I guess the obvious answer would be that it works when you try to use it. But you learn, you can learn it or you can buy it, but then you have to use it. So if you achieve your goal, then it either works or it doesn't. And if it works for you, then you trust it. And if it doesn't work for you, you probably discard it. Throw it away and never use it again. Well, the catch to this is what if it's not the item's problem? What if it's not that concept that you were taught? Maybe it's what they call in the tech world, user error. Now, none of you would be guilty of that, right? It's kind of like you call tech support and you say, my computer won't work, and the first thing they say is, well, look behind the wall. Is it plugged in? And I guess that is actually a a a thing that has happened. Well, as I was putting this message together, I I was kind of trying to think of a time when maybe that happened to me, to where something was working as it was supposed to, but I just wasn't using it right. And so I couldn't really think of anything, so I asked my wife, and she gave me plenty of ideas, all right? But I just have a fresh one. It just happened yesterday. I have a weed trimmer, a weed whacker, whatever you want to call it. Those things are going to be the end of me. And I had actually got on my shopping list to go to the local hardware store sometime and buy a new spool. Because for some reason, I would thread it and it wouldn't auto feed. So by the time I cut the grass every single time and I do the weed eating, the string goes from this to like two little stubs on the outside most frustrating thing in the world. And so I remember when I was young, my dad taught me how to load a weed eater. So I would go and turn it upside down and take off the thing and and wind it and put it in and and it even said rotate on it. So I knew which direction it was rotating, but it would never work. This thing must be broke. Stupid piece of junk. So I was just going to go out and buy a new one. But for some reason I thought yesterday, and now I've used this trimmer, oh my goodness, a long time. Probably for almost five years. And like I said, my dad taught me how to load a weed eater. So I just thought, you know, I cannot, it's hot out here. I'm just, just for the grins of it, I'm going to go look on YouTube and see if anybody can teach me how to string this trimmer. So I got on there, and I wish I hadn't, but I'm glad I did. Because after I saw the guy do it on YouTube, I felt so stupid. Because A, I have a user manual somewhere in my files. And B, this type of weed eater, for your convenience, you're not supposed to take the spool off. You line up the little things there and you just feed the string straight through. Cut it, rotate it in the direction on the thing and it winds it up. And then you know what? It worked perfectly. Man, I had a new weed eater last night. (laughs) I thought that thing was going to be a piece of trash. So I had to buy another one until I realized that I was using it the wrong way. Well, folks, I say that for your enjoyment and... At, at, at my, at, at my uh, expense, but you know what? We've all got those things to where we don't use it as directed or we don't even bother looking at directions. I know you would say, well, it's a man thing. No, women do it too. But you know what? Men do it probably a lot more often. But as we come to this passage today, we're looking at wisdom. There is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And James tells us that in James chapter 3. I want you to know something. God did not create you to live a life and try your best to figure it out. I've said to myself, just trying to figure it out today, man. Just trying to take it all in. But you know what? It's not like that. God gives us everything that we need. He's not a father that would take his young child and put him in the middle of New York City and say, well, son, I'm going to go back to the small town. I'm going to wish you the best of luck. Wouldn't do that because that's not what God does. God has not done that with you. God has given you everything that you need to understand this world. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's all going to be a bed of roses. But if you want perspective, if you want wisdom that works, you are going to find it in His Word. I have never Ever depended on God's word and applied it where it hasn't worked. Now there are times when I've tried to do it on my own and now look at the directions and I've really messed it up sometimes. Never fully enjoying life. Never really enjoying that weed eater that I've had for years and was about to throw out. Folks, God's word is the same way. He can bring value to our life. God's word can give us understanding with things that we don't understand. And it can give us faith when we don't have faith on our own. God has done everything for you and I to live the life that he has created you to live. James is building his case for living the life which includes wisdom, or more specifically, godly wisdom. Now, The reason, if you go back and you look at maybe the the sermon series that we've been going through with James, and walking through chapter by chapter, he builds this case. Let me show you why we're at wisdom right now. Because in James chapter 1, he talked about the correct perspective of God. Putting God in a correct perspective. In James 2, the first half of James 2, he talked about correcting our perspective of others. So we need to get our view of God right. We need to get our view of others right. Then in James 2, the second half, he gives us perspective on our faith and how to use that. And then now, today, or actually last week, we take the words that we say to heart. He talked about the tongue. He's, he's going step by step and showing Christians how they need to get their house in order, so to speak. So today we come to wisdom that works. And so I'd like for us to read James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 together. If you don't have a copy of God's word, there was one in the pew in front of you. And also uh, if you have a smartphone or an iPad or something like that, uh, there's a Bible app that actually has the outline for the service on there. And uh, so we will just trying to engage you in every way possible to get God's word in front of you. So chapter 3. Starting in verse 13, it says, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving. It's gentle, compliant, full of mercy, and good fruits. It's unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate Peace. when people use godly wisdom it changes their world and by them changing their world they are changing the world so the first thing we see in verse 13 is that a source of our wisdom is revealed in our actions a source or the source for wisdom in our action in our wisdom is revealed in our actions folks if You're trying to put that trimmer together on your own instinct the way you've always been taught, even though it's wrong, you're going to have the same frustration I had. Sometimes we need to look at the Creator and how He has designed this, and more than likely, it's to make our life better. And that's what Scripture does. Now, to, to say that, we see that Our actions will prove our source. There is an observable difference in people who use godly wisdom over earthly wisdom. This is why there is a void of godly wisdom in our society today. Too many people believe godly wisdom should stay within the walls of the sanctuary. That y'all can talk about Jesus all you want, but don't bring that stuff outside of the walls. Many people take godly wisdom and they pick it up like a wrench. Oh man, my life is broke right now. Let me pick it up, tweak it a little bit, then I'll put this down and pick it back up when I need it again. Well, you can do that, but if you do that, you're only reading God's Word to react to the crisis that you are creating. Maybe you ought to try to start reading it beforehand to keep you out of making a crisis. That's the way godly wisdom works. The truth is, you and I need godly wisdom, not in moments, but every day of our life. To prove that, take a quick practical trip with me, and turn in your Bibles just for a moment to a passage in Psalms. Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. We're going to go to Psalm 119. And I'm, I'm going to show you a list here in a minute, but the cool thing is, is that this is not some slick list that I've put together as a preacher. You can read it for yourself. You can go back and look at it. But it's in James, excuse me, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. And I think I have that reference on the screen as well, Katie. Perfect. Eight Steps to Godly Wisdom. This is not something I came up with. This is right out of God's Word. Verses 9 through 16. What does it say? How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your Word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. Now remember, the guy writing this was an adulterer, a murderer. He killed the husband of the lady he slept with. Whoo, that sounds like a, a Friday night movie. But this is the same guy that was a man after God's heart. So don't think that you're too bad to do this. But also don't think that you're too good to do this. He says that don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart. Treasured your word in my heart. So that I may not sin against you. Verse 12, Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim at the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways and I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. My mom taught me a long time ago that you need to memorize scripture You need to read Scripture. You need to have it readily available in your mind because there are times, even with smartphones, even with 3 by 5 index cards, even with Bibles on every table in your house, there will be times when you will be without a copy of God's Word and you need to hide that Word in your heart. So if you want to find godly wisdom for your life, you don't have to turn on a preacher on TV. You don't have to Google it. You don't even have to find some guru. You can pull out God's Word in Psalm 119, verses 9-16, through and see how to use godly wisdom in your life. Number one, you keep it. You keep godly wisdom with you. Number two, you seek godly wisdom. Seek godly wisdom. That's my question to you and my question to me. When we are looking for wisdom, where do we go? YouTube, of course. That's what I just did. But seriously, when when we are trying to find out what to do in our lives, we often go to our friends. People who love us and want to tell us what we want to hear. Which is not always wisdom. We seek wisdom through God's Word. We keep it, we seek it, and we treasure it. When he says treasure godly wisdom, I want you to think about it like a buried treasure within your heart. In the depths of your heart, you have the most valuable thing in the world, and that is God's word. And that God's word acts as a guard, kind of a sentry at a post that allows proper things in and out of your heart, and keeps out those bad things. Because we know the Bible says that Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart above all that thing else is evil." That our our default is to think evil thoughts. Our default is to harbor hatred and bitterness towards other people. But the only way to fight that and combat that is to ingest a daily diet of God's Word. The deceit in your heart will put your life in a ditch before you know it. Only God's Word keeps it in check. We need to pray for God to teach us godly wisdom. We need to proclaim godly wisdom and say it out loud. I got a question for you. How did you learn the Pledge of Allegiance? If you're older like me, you will remember every morning before school started, if they had a homeroom or you had, even if you just had one class, nine times out of ten, how many of y'all had the loudspeaker do the Pledge of Allegiance and y'all did the Pledge of Allegiance before school started? I don't, do they even do that anymore? I wouldn't think so. But they made us actually memorize that. I remember when I was, had started playing football and I wasn't really sold out for the Lord yet. At that time you could do the Lord's Prayer so everybody would huddle up and we'd say, Our Father which art in heaven and I would just kind of look around and blah, 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 because I didn't know it. But after about a few games, I started to be able to re- recite it. I didn't know whether to say debts or trespasses, but hey, that's okay. We learn things by saying them. We learn God's word by saying them. And my friend, I will make you this promise. You will never commit a verse to memory and not use it. Never, ever, ever. And maybe the reason you're not having those experiences is because you're not memorizing God's word. Godly wisdom takes some work. We need to rejoice. Godly wisdom keeps us from things. We need to meditate on God's Word. Invest in it as if you were going to be tested on it. I've had to take tests. Even in recent days, I had to to recertify for some things. And I had to crack the books. And I had to go in and I had to study. And I had to study because I knew that the test that I was going to take, it was multiple choice. But if you've ever taken a, a good multiple choice test, you'll know that it always seems like two of the answers are right. But I studied. And I studied. And I studied. To be able to pass that test. And my friend, whether you are studying God's word or not, every day you wake up, there's going to be a test. (laughs) Life is the test. And God's word is what helps us get through that. And then delight in godly wisdom. Let me ask you this. Have you ever applied God's wisdom in your life and it not worked? I can't think of a time. Now, it hasn't always been pleasant. I mean, I remember times when I had to tell friends in high school, look, my life has changed and I can't go to that party that you're having. I can't do those things that you're doing. And I would lose friends over that. But you know what? It made my faith stronger. And gave me an opportunity to witness to them later when they were open to it. And whether you're it's a high school student middle school student or someone who is retired we can always use godly wisdom well godly wisdom is also qualified by gentleness as we go back and we look at James chapter 3 he talks about the fact that godly wisdom is gentle for years people thought that something another word for gentleness in here Is meekness. You know what meekness is? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You ever heard that? Well, let me tell you something. For the longest time, especially when this was written, but even today, people equate meekness with weakness. Meekness with weakness. But I'm here to tell you, that is not what godly wisdom is. Gentleness is complete power under control. And when they wrote this, he wrote it with the idea of an ox in mind. An ox would weigh two tons or more. And that huge beast would plow fields. It would do so much work and all they had to do is take some reins and guide that animal. So much power under control. I think about Our dog that we have, that that most dogs, except the little yippie dogs, if you got a yippie dog, I'm happy for you. But most normal dogs, they can put their mouth on your fist or your hand, and they have enough pressure in their mouth to crush your hand. But they don't. Folks, godly wisdom has all the power That you need, but we do not need to load our Bible gun up with all these verses and fire it at people in hopes of taking them out. We have to use God's wisdom humbly and meekly knowing that we need it and others need it, but we need to use it with a gentle spirit. And if anybody was the epitome of Jesus, of of meekness, it's Jesus? I'll tell you what. I am on social media, and uh, I've, I've got different platforms that I'm on, and and I've got some friends, and some of them are preachers, and some are Christians. It's just it seems like when different topics come up, they've always got an opinion on it, and I'm praying, God, should I say something about that? Should I should I use the scripture and all this kind of stuff? And and when I think about it, the way that it would come across, it would look like that I'm trying to to take somebody out, or trying to take on somebody. In a Twitter war, what is that going to accomplish? Nothing. But you know what? I can take that verse. I can apply it to my life, and I can call that person up, and I can say, "Hey, I saw that post that you had. Let me let me talk with you about it. Let's go grab a coke, and let's or let's hey let's video chat, FaceTime, or whatever, and let's let's talk about this for a minute. You don't have to 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 use it as a weapon. To take anybody else out. Jesus's or James's application is this. Faith is demonstrated by works. Wisdom is demonstrated by the gentleness in our conduct. Now. Let me just be honest with you. I love you. And I'm just going to say this. If you are a drama queen. A backstabber. A pot stirrer or a crisis creator, you know, that person that has to create a crisis so they can feel wanted, if you're any of those people, according to what James says, you better take heed to what he is saying. You are a bad example for the kingdom. We don't need pot stirrers. We don't need drama queens. We need people that are seeking the heart of God. And seeking to pray for others. So when we were talking this morning in Bible study, how do you tell the difference between gossip and a prayer request? Well, in a lot of Baptist churches, that line is blurred, isn't it? Oh, did you hear about Sister Hazel? Her son's on drugs. Her grandson has ran out and blah, 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 blah. And about five minutes later, oh, and we need to pray for them. And they never pray. That is gossip. And so our working definition this morning was the difference between a prayer request and gossip is that if it's a prayer request, you better end by praying for that person. Right then, right there. And number two, you don't have to share all the saucy details. Say that for the inquirer when you're checking out. Go buy you one of them and, and chew on that for a while. But leave God's people alone with that trash. It doesn't belong in the church. It doesn't belong in your mouth. It doesn't belong in your heart. And that's what James is telling the church. Then we see in verses 14 through 18. Godly wisdom is from God. And earthly wisdom is from evil. (laughs) Look. If you're living your life from Jerry Springer's moral aptitude statement at the end of his show, you are in bad shape. If you are basing your life off of a tweet, if you're basing your life off of what, hey, well, you know what everybody says. You know what they say. Who is they? We repeat stuff we don't even know where it came from. But yeah, we'll just jump on because that's the wisdom of the world. That's the way the world says we ought to be. That is straight from the pit of hell. More precisely, the Bible says, James says, it is demonic. It is of the devil. We truly live in a day of great advances in technology. And the accumulation of knowledge that we have is unparalleled to any generation. But every bit of knowledge that we have, every bit of knowledge that a tech company will index and chronicle, we can find all kinds of things. But if we do not have wisdom, it is just knowledge. One person said one time about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. They said, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting that tomato in your fruit salad. Pretty simple, right? We know things, but it's all in how we apply them. And today, the battle that we as believers fight is the battle between the godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Listen, church, there is no mixture between the two. Do not try to take this junk that is out there and bring it into a church. I can't tell you the number of business meetings I've been been in. And finance teams, not here, but in other churches, where they would get all these finance gurus together on the finance team, and nine times out of ten, half of them would say, well, you know, in my company, this is the way we do it. Folks, this is not a company. This is a church. And I'm not faulting people for wanting to use their background to lead. But folks... All the wisdom that we gain in the world is not necessarily for the church. But all the wisdom we gain in the church is for the world. That's the way it's supposed to be. The problem is that there's so many believers today that don't know the difference between the two. They take a preacher's word for it. They take a tweet's word for it. They see what's trending and what everybody else is saying, never cracking their Bible to see what God says about it. And here's the great thing. I don't know about you. How many of y'all are good with working with your hands? Any of y'all ever good, like you're not carpenters, but you could build stuff, fix stuff? Raise your hand. Okay. Imagine doing your next project without... A ruler. Or some type of measuring stick. Just, just eyeball it. How's that gonna work for you? <laughs> some might say, well that's the way I do it, preacher. Well that's alright. I've always heard with carpenters, you measure twice and you cut once. Cause there's no such thing as a board stretcher. How do you measure the wisdom you listen to? What is your Measuring system, what is your ruler for wisdom? When someone says, I'll tell you what you ought to do. What you ought to do is this. And, they, and they, they tell you. How do you know what to take? And how do you know what to discard? The great thing is, James tells us in verses 14 through 18. He talks about godly wisdom and he talks about earthly wisdom. Let me start with godly wisdom. In verses 17 and 18, He says that if it's godly wisdom, it will be pure. What does pure mean? Pure means that it's unmixed. It's never tarnished. It's not taking a little bit of what the Bible says and then putting a little bit with what this guru says. This is taking God's Word and not adding it to what the news anchor said on the the news magazine show. Or this is not taking God's Word and then intertwining your friend's interpretation of that. Strictly pure and never tarnished. Also, if the wisdom you get is godly wisdom, it's going to promote peace. It's going to be gentle. It's going to be compliant. I guarantee you this. If you talk to somebody and you, and you tell them, oh, I just need to vent and you vent to them and you tell you how you've, you've been done wrong. And you say, I just want to get them back. If that person says, well, you ought to. I'll go with you. That ain't godly wisdom. I'm not saying you have to be a doormat. But I am saying, you got to consider the source of where this wisdom is coming from. (laughs) Another story another time. It is compliant. It's full of mercy. It's full of mercy. A more, a better approach to that is after you've to that person, they'll say, man, that sounds, that sounds awful. I'm sorry that they did that to you, but how can you show them mercy? What do you mean? Let me go call somebody else. You're no help at all. And then move on. But a true friend is going to say, look, how can we find the rose in the middle of the thorn bush? It's unwavering. I guarantee you, if you have somebody in your life that's giving you godly wisdom, they're going to tell you the truth, whether it hurts or whether it doesn't. I've had to sit across people before, and I would tell them, look, I am no better than you, and I love you, but this is what God's Word says. And if you want to do what He says, this is what you ought to do. And even worse, there have been times where I have read it and said, oh, I just want... And God says, no, don't do that. If you do it, there will be bad consequences. And I'm thankful for that. It's without pretense. The thing is, is that when you hear... I I think the word is... You ever heard of the term echo chamber? I I see this a lot nowadays with my social media feeds. and, And on my phone, you get a news feed of all the stories. It thinks you want to see. And so, before long... Your noise, your news feed is noise feed is what I call it. Your noise feed is giving you all the stories of the stuff that you want to hear. It's going to have your slant. It's going to have your spin. Just like there some people that have to believe a certain way like to watch Fox News. Other people say, "Oh, Fox News is trash. I'm going to watch CNN." Of people say, "Well, CNN's trash." I'm going to watch MSNBC, and all of them have their own slant. You can have one occurrence and have it told three, four, five, and ten million different ways. Everybody spinning it so that they can get their point across. There are people in your life that will spin information and situations so they can manipulate you, and some of you might even spin information so that you can get your way. Godly wisdom has no spin, no agenda, only God's heart. And then it has no pretense and it has peace. If you use godly peace, it will bring peace to your life and you will be a peacemaker. Peace doesn't mean the removal of hard things. But it means being able to deal with them in the godly way. So if we go back and we look at verses 15 and 16. It says, it talks about earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is not from God. Earthly wisdom appears to be God's truth. But when checked against it, it is blatantly not. And it is a lie. How do we know that earthly wisdom is filled with lies? I'll give you two examples. Number one, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. The devil says, surely God didn't say you can't eat from the tree of knowledge. (laughs) He was just messing with you on that. Boom, there you go. Or how about Jesus in the wilderness? Multiple times the devil used the scripture to twist it, to tempt Jesus to sin. Oh, Jesus, you're hungry. Have some bread. Oh, Jesus, you want people to worship you? Just accept me and I'll bring it all to you. Oh, you want God to save you? Go ahead and and jump off that cliff and see if He'll save you. All of these things using Scripture. Folks, I'm telling you what. A true deceiver makes things sound godly that are not. Satan twists God's Word. It's unspiritual. Sometimes we follow people just by their platform, even if it is unbiblical, and many don't know the difference between the two. It's demonic. It denies God's truth. It's envious. And it's filled with selfish ambition. What is selfish ambition? Selfish ambition is simply this. Here is the center of your heart and the center of your life. Selfish ambition says, God, you set to the side, I'm the pilot of my life. Everything is about me. That is selfish ambition. And if you live your life for yourself, you are not following godly wisdom. It produces disorder. Just because someone speaks the loudest, it does not mean that they are right. How many church business meetings do we have to think about where the loudest voice got all the attention? I've never been at one here, but I, I hear there's been a few. I've been in plenty in other churches. Sister Righteous or 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 Brother boastful stands up. Oh, that must be godly. And it's not. How do you know the difference? By being in God's Word. Well, you see, the great thing about this passage, it sets up these two comparisons, and you don't need me to go back later on and look at this. So when someone's giving you wisdom, you have the measuring stick right here. Psalm 119. And the Holy Spirit will help you get through it. Earthly wisdom means filling your life with things that are worthless. Which leads you to a worthless life. The value may be seen on earth, but they hold no value in eternity. If your earthly will, if your earthly wisdom builds your kingdom and it, it fills your garages, it fills your cabinets, it fills your closets, that's great. But when you die, they'll have a great estate sale. They'll make a lot of money. Cause there will not be a U-Haul. At your funeral. You can't take it with you. But my friend. I'll tell you what. Maybe you are. In a parking lot. Helping people park cars. In a church. Maybe you have taught Sunday school. For years. Maybe you've been a VBS teacher. A preacher. Or just somebody. That is an encourager to others in church. And that is the stuff. That will go to heaven. Look. Parents, you can buy everything in the world. You can max out your credit cards to make your kids happy and you can think that you're the coolest person in the world. But if you do not instill a hunger for God's Word in your child, all of that stuff you bought for them will not make a difference in eternity. Godly wisdom means that you are most powerful When you are submitted to God who has all the power. The value may not be seen today on this earth, but it will be shown on the new earth. It will have eternal value. May I ask you something? Do you want peace? I used to have teenagers tell me, James, I don't understand. My life is so full of drama. I posted something on Facebook the other day. Now everybody hates me. I would say step one, get off of Facebook. And nowadays that's for adults too. I got news for you adults. You want to keep up with your kids on Facebook? They're gone. <laughs> Facebook for old people now. They're, they're off in other directions. And when you go where they're at, they're going to find another one. They'll even go to two cups in a string if they have to. But the thing is, is that that need that need to be liked, that need to be wanted, that need for drama, yes, it can find you on social media. So I'm telling you what, if your life is filled with drama, stay off of Facebook. Or when that person on your phone circle calls, I know you older people, you got those phone circles. Don't take the call. Don't add to the conversation. Don't add to the noise. I don't know about you, but if I've I've ever had a dog bite me, I'm not going to go pet it again. You know better. Use wisdom in what you say. Use wisdom in what you hear. And use wisdom in how you act. Because godly wisdom begins and ends with God. And this is the wisdom that he offers you today. This is the wisdom that God calls you to exercise in every moment of your life. It's not like, oh, I'm going to find godly wisdom and then I am going to have everything. I am going to be perfect. No, godly wisdom is in a day by day, minute by minute decision to honor God or to honor our own selfish desire. How do you break free of that? Well, his his wisdom works and is guaranteed by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Godly wisdom was bought and paid for. And it costs you nothing. And it costs God everything. Godly wisdom begins with a relationship with God. I don't know about you, but when I, I first moved into our house, we had two lots on both sides of our house. Man, it was great. We could look and see all kinds of stuff. But sure enough, the, the the building industry increased. And man, we got two houses beside us. And it's funny. The first one that was built on one side, sure enough, that guy was doing the yard, and it ran across my cable. Snap, no cable. So I had to call the cable company out, and they came and ran a new line. <coughs> well, the other house was built, doing their yard, snap. There he is. There it goes. What does a brother have to do to keep cable? <laughs> so I call, and they come out again. <coughs> they do something else in the yard. Snap. And so finally, I think, after the third time, they have ran it in so many different ways, and my house looks like a bunch of moles that are in my yard. But anyway, they run it. They went under my driveway and all this kind of stuff. So now it's only on my lot. So if I break my cable line, it's going to be because I did it. But it's amazing what happens when your connection is broke. You can't get cable. The day goes by really slowly if you don't have your cable. I'll go ahead and tell you that. If you don't have that information feeding your TV, feeding your (coughs) your technology and all these things. But folks, let me tell you what. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your cable between God and yourself is non-existent. And if you are a Christian and have sin in your life, that cable is broke. And you need to fix it. Godly wisdom begins and ends with God. How do you access it? Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And with that, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you need today. Maybe you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Maybe you are a Christian and you have kind of went backwards on some things and you want to come to the altar and, and pray or talk with me or, or even right where you're at. You can do that. But don't leave here today with God prompting you to seek His wisdom and say, I'll do it next time you might not have next time. If you want a relationship with Jesus Christ or if you have a prayer need or want to join the church, whatever it may be, then you do that this morning. Let's pray.